Nexa, formerly known as Answer One, is a leading virtual receptionist and answering service provider for law firms. Learn more by giving them a call at 800-267-9371 or online at nexa.com. Welcome to the AVA Journal Legal Rebels podcast, where we talk to men and women who are remaking the legal profession, changing the way the law is practiced, and setting standards that will guide us into the future. Welcome to the ABA Journal's Legal Rebels podcast. I'm your host, Lyle Moran. My guest today is the Honorable Michael Hevakin, the Chief Justice of Nebraska. He has held that role since 2006. Before that, he served as the U.S. Attorney for the state. Chief Justice Hevakin has helped Nebraska's state courts navigate the COVID-19 pandemic that has forced the justice system to rapidly alter its operations. This crisis is one his state's courts were better prepared for than others, as Hevakin hosted a national summit on pandemic preparedness in Nebraska last May. The Chief Justice will provide details about the summit and how lessons learned there have guided his court system's response to COVID-19. Please welcome to the Legal Rebels podcast, the Honorable Michael Hevakin. Chief, thanks for joining us. Thank you very much for having me. Chief, I was hoping you could start off sharing about why you decided to host a national summit on pandemic preparedness last spring. Well, the National Center for State Courts had been interested in the topic of pandemics for some time, and they had put together a committee probably three or four years ago to work on the idea of preparing state courts for pandemics and problems with pandemics. And I was on that committee and it dawned on me that because the University of Nebraska uh, Medical Center in Omaha was one of the few, has one of the few biocontainment units in the country, that it might be a very good idea that Nebraska state courts be especially prepared for problems with pandemics and because I wanted to have our state courts especially ready, and because I wanted to sort of showcase uh, the University of Nebraska Medical Center's system, I thought it would be great to host a a national pandemic. And fortunately, the National Center sponsored that, along with uh, some other folks, and we were able to uh, get it accomplished. And how would you say the summit went? Well, uh, <laughs> hindsight is twenty twenty. I would say uh, it was it was fabulous because it was very timely. I think everybody who was there got some basic messages, and the real basic message was you've got to sit down with all of the players in your community, in your state, uh, that being the medical people and the other branches of government and uh, the other players in the community and come up with a plan that you can work with. And those plans are going to differ from state to state, and they are going to differ from community to community. Now, what did the Nebraska court system do in the aftermath of the summit to prepare for a potential pandemic? Well, we followed through by putting together a bench book for all of our trial court judges, and actually, I guess, for the appellate court judges, too, which had uh, a really great amount of information that would be available for judges and is available for judges. It had all kinds of information on 
quarantines, for example, and uh, the power that governors might have in certain situations and kinds of statutes and ways to approach things. If you are a trial court judge and you are hit with a lawsuit that might come in front of you, say a habeas corpus or a challenge to the quarantine or uh, some other likely kind of case that might come before you. So we did that. And we also worked on the idea of having uh, local committees ready to have specific plans for communities, for individual communities to respond to pandemics. Great. And did you hear it all from other states and other courts about what they did in the aftermath of attending your summit? Well, we certainly did when the pandemic started. <laughs> that's, that's when we began to get requests to see our bench book and other questions about lessons learned from the national summit. Yeah. And what were some, I guess, guiding principles that you shared with other states that were inquiring of you? The main guiding principle was I told uh, a number of people that I wish I had listened more carefully to myself because uh, even though we followed through with the bench book, we did not engage our local trial court judges and others enough in the sense that we really didn't have the logistics down as to What do you do as a court if there is now a sort of community quarantine or a community lockdown? We weren't quite that good. We we didn't have everything in place. And so we got a variety of responses from different judges. And how did your court system react when COVID-19 began to lead to social distancing guidelines and other requirements um, in terms of you know, limiting public access to government facilities. As we can see around the country, the story is different in every state, and the story is different for different parts of different states. I heard the Chief Justice from Michigan on a uh, on a webcast the other day say the way they had approached the court the courts in Detroit was light years different than the way they approach the courts in the Upper Peninsula of Michigan. That is just a good example. We, we had to approach the situation here in the same way. What was good for Omaha was not necessarily good for Benkelman. So we encourage all of our local courts, our local districts, to come up with plans that were suitable for that particular district, and we sort of gave everybody general guidelines or uh, boundaries within which they were to stay. We emphasized that the courts had to stay open, and we got pushback on that general principle from a handful of judges and and from some attorneys, but uh, all in all, I think generally... uh, folks came to the conclusion that indeed the courts had to stay open and they responded well. So what type of technology have the courts needed to implement during this time to keep operating to some degree? Well, much as uh, this podcast is based on Zoom or some other uh, kind of uh, social video interaction 
That has uh, been the main tool for both our trial court judges and our appellate court judges. Uh, We either use Zoom or we use WebEx or some other similar platform to have people engage so that they can see each other and they can hear each other. And of course, lots of folks appropriately use teleconferencing also, which which, uh, can be much simpler and, and work much better for some kinds of situations. Fortunately, also, most of our filing these days is done electronically, so we would have been in great trouble even five years ago because we would not have had all of these technology options available, which we do today. And do you think that some of the technology being used now that your court system will continue to use even after COVID-19? Absolutely. And we are forming a committee, perhaps more than one committee, to leverage the best ideas that people have been using so that uh, those ideas can be uh, used in the future to make the courts more efficient, to make the legal profession more efficient, and to help us all do our jobs better. For example, video arraignments uh, for folks, uh, defendants who may be in jail and need to be arraigned. Some of our counties were using this before. Almost all of them are trying it now, and they are finding that it is both a money saver and a time saver and something they're, they're going to want to continue to utilize. And have you been surprised by how quickly the court system has implemented some of these technological innovations? I have been surprised. I've been amazed <laughs> because Like I said, we started with a number of judges saying we just needed to close the courts for a few days or maybe a week, and then everything could go back to normal. But after a while, absolutely everybody discovered that things had to carry on. And the the only real way to do that and to get a lot of things done was to use technology. So even judges as old as I am and as technologically challenged as I am learned how to do it, and they are doing a fabulous job. Great. We'll be back soon with more from Chief Justice Hevekin. If you're missing calls, appointments, and potential clients, it's time to work with Nexa Professional. More than just an answering service, Nexa's virtual receptionists are available 24-7 to schedule appointments, qualify leads, respond to emails, integrate with your firm software, and much more. Nexa ensures your clients have the experience they deserve. Give them a call at 800-267-9371 or visit them at nexa.com forward slash podcast for a special offer. Welcome back. I'm here with Chief Justice Michael Hevigan of the Nebraska Supreme Court. Chief, I know one thing that's been going on during this time is that a lot of courts across the country are racking up backlogs of cases due to you know certain matters being put on hold. How is Nebraska going to try and address the backlog of cases that have piled up during this time? Well, just last week, we had uh, conference calls with all of our trial court judges about how to move back to some sense of normalcy and to in particular, try and tackle the issue of jury trials, which I think is vexing to everyone around the country, both on the federal level and on the local level, because it's tough to 
use proper social distancing and bring dozens of people in to make jury selections and then conduct a trial with social distancing and then have a jury deliberate after that. So that particular problem is, is the real big issue. Most other kinds of hearings can be handled by using technology like Zoom or teleconferencing, but jury trials pretty much need to, at least criminal jury trials, pretty much need to be done live in person, and that's the topic that we are really working with our trial court judges a lot on. Yeah, when do you think there might be some more clarity on how Nebraska will proceed with jury trials? Actually, within the, within the month, uh, speedy trial is demanding speedy trial statutes and uh, requirements, constitutional requirements, are demanding that those trials have to be held if a defendant wants a trial. So our trial court judges in our two largest jurisdictions, that would be Omaha and Lincoln, are definitely facing that problem. And I can tell you they are brainstorming that. They are trying to make sure they've got venues large enough that they can spread people out. And they are dealing with the idea of maybe doing certain parts of jury selection using technology. And then once for dire starts, maybe that would be done in very small groups. And then after a jury is selected, that they would be spread across a fairly large area so that you would have 12 people as jurors, but they would be at least six feet, feet apart and everybody else in the courtroom would be six feet uh, from each other. Now, how has your own court been impacted by the COVID-19 pandemic? Well, in March, we had, we had oral arguments by teleconference, which worked well, but it seemed to mean that the arguments took a lot longer because we did those by first giving the litigants, the lawyers for the litigants, five minutes to speak uninterrupted, and then largely by seniority, much like the United States Supreme Court is doing. We went around the court and allowed uh, each judge to ask questions. And it seemed that we asked a lot more questions than we normally do, even though we typically do ask a lot of questions. So arguments took a lot longer than they normally did. So this month, actually just last week, we did oral arguments uh, by WebEx, which worked very well for us, and it kept the arguments and the time limits that we normally keep them to, and judges got to ask questions spontaneously. I think it worked very well for the lawyers, and it certainly worked very well for the court. And do you anticipate your court will still use WebEx for court hearings um, even once COVID-19 subsides? I think that we will. I would anticipate that some lawyers would request to appear by technology. Nebraska is a state that doesn't have a lot of people, but we have a lot of territory. So we've got folks who live six or seven hours away from Lincoln, Nebraska. And if you're a lawyer and your case has been assigned for nine o'clock on a particular morning, that means you have to drive to Lincoln the day before and spend the night. 
and then drive all the way back. So to make a 10-minute argument, you have to spend two days to do it. And I suspect we will get requests from a lot of folks who have to travel that kind of distance. And they will say, my clients really can't afford to pay me for two days of work, and I don't have the time to do it. Would you please have arguments in my WebEx? And I suspect we will probably grant those requests. Chief, I know that a lot of industries have turned to remote working during this time. Has the Nebraska court system allowed employees to work from home at all, and do you anticipate that continuing beyond this crisis? Uh, We have allowed that, and we have about 2,000 employees around the state of Nebraska. They are in all 93 counties, and so they face different circumstances uh, depending on where they are located and what their job is. All of the probation officers in Nebraska are employees of the Nebraska Supreme Court. So they have less opportunity to work from home. They are like police officers. They are frontline people and they need to be commended because they've been working with their uh, probationers throughout, which means there has to be There has to be some personal contact, although they have adopted and adapted to a lot of technology and what they do. Uh, We have lots of clerk office employees. What we have done with those folks largely is to rotate them in most counties so that half of them are there one week and half the next week. I don't know if that will be doable when things get back to normal. On the appellate level, many of our law clerks and so forth can do what they normally do just as easily from home as they can if they are here at the office. So I would expect there will be requests from them to work from home, a lot lot more requests for that. And I think that that may be very workable for us. Are there any major court initiatives that were underway that had to be delayed as a result of COVID-19? I don't think there were or are major court initiatives underway that are actually delayed. What we are trying to speed up is mandatory electronic filing, which was nearly accomplished. But we have some work to, to finish on some kinds of cases there, so we're speeding that up. We have always tried to do a lot of work with our judges and our court staff in terms of leadership, case management, and emphasizing that our judges and our court leaders should be asking themselves all the time, is there a way we can do this better? So rather than delaying initiatives that are based on the concept of, is there a way we can do this better? We are actually uh, trying to accelerate some of those kinds of things and some of those kinds of ideas. At this point, we're in, still in the throes of COVID-19, but you know there always could be down the line you know, another pandemic that comes our way. What would you say the Nebraska court systems will do you know, moving forward to be even more prepared if something like this were to happen again? We have to continue uh, the initiatives involving technology. We have to make sure 
that all of our courts and our probation officers and our judges have the technology they need in order to do the virtual courting things that uh, they're now getting used to. But we, we had some judges that didn't have the basic hardware that they needed or software that they needed. So those things are in place. So we're going to have to work to make sure that everybody uh, has those tools and that those tools are constantly refreshed. We're going to have to emphasize in our judicial branch education how to deal with things virtually. And we, as I mentioned, are going to have to continue to look at good ideas to bring the court system into the 21st century. We had lots of folks dragging their feet on that concept that I think now will say to themselves, you know, the idea that our courts are really behind the times uh, maybe was correct and, and maybe we need to do some things to move the courts forward into the 21st century. And do you see Nebraska continuing to be a leader in that regard? Well, I hope so. I will say that there are folks around the country doing magnificent things. So every state can be a leader and is a leader in maybe a particular area or with a particular idea. And because state courts vary so much, and there are so many of us, with 50 states and and territories. People come up with good ideas and the rest of us can learn from them. Being a leader also in some ways means being a good follower. If you find good ideas that have worked in Arizona or Florida or North Dakota and you implement those as quickly as you can in Nebraska, that can mean that you are a follower but also a good leader. Well, Chief Justice Hevakin, thanks for joining me today. Thank you very much. I uh, enjoyed I enjoyed doing this, and I hope that uh, folks can learn a few things from it. But the big thing to learn, I think, is to be open-minded and be able to think about the possibility of pandemics or perhaps other calamities that might affect court systems or other institutions and be willing to dig in and uh, try new things and see if indeed there's a better way that things can be done. Well, that's a great thought to conclude on. And I also wanted to thank our listeners for joining us today. Please be sure to rate and review the ABA Journal's Legal Rebels podcast on your favorite podcast listening service. I'm your host, Lyle Moran, signing off. If you'd like more information about today's show, please visit LegalRebels.com, LegalTalkNetwork.com, subscribe via iTunes and RSS, find both the ABA Journal and Legal Talk Network on Twitter, Facebook, and LinkedIn, or download the free apps from ABA Journal and Legal Talk Network in Google Play and iTunes. The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of, nor are they endorsed by, Legal Talk Network, its officers, directors, employees, agents, representatives, shareholders, and subsidiaries. None of the content should be considered legal advice. As always, consult a lawyer.